Welcome to the Edges of Lean. I'm Bella Engelbach, and in this podcast, we explore the human and creative side of lean thinking, unusual places where lean thinking is practiced. We meet people who are practicing continuous improvement in many different flavors and styles. So come along with me on a journey to the edges of lean. Episode 42, Continuous Improvement and Character with Brad Smith. Think about leadership. When you look at a great leader, you'll probably observe that there's something different about their character. But what is it? And can we all learn to have that? Brad Smith has been thinking about this. Brad's drive from his very earliest memory has been to understand the design of this world and how the mechanisms behind himself as a human being actually work. And now he works to help others understand themselves in the same way. Brad Smith, welcome to the Edges of Lean. Glad to be here. Brad, tell us about Brad. What are you doing and how did you get to do it? That's a, that's a fun story, a journey. Um, I coach CEOs and business owners on business growth. And the reason why I do that is as I was growing up, my dad had a bachelor's in chemical engineering and a PhD in biochemistry. And I watched him start 34 companies and kill 30 of them because he didn't have all the police pieces in place. He was a product development guy. Watched him invent, so talk about visionaries. I watched him invent the liquid diet drink industry in 1958 and 1959 at uh, Mee Johnson. And he brought the very first two liquid diet drinks to the market. And that was then the foundation of the protein delivery process. And he and I talked about uh, how to solve the world food problem continually. And so that got me to thinking about larger scale things which led me to strategic planning. But my background was I did got within a term of a degree in biochemistry, went back, finished a bachelor's in business management and marketing and an MBA in marketing and finance. And what I realized when I got to the coaching process was I loved helping people be even more successful than they could do it on their own. Had I been coaching my dad, he probably would have only started eight companies, but all of them would have given him financial return that he didn't get out of all but one of the 34. So my inspiration is, why do you want to? And let's make it happen. Yeah, that really resonates with me. Um, I, you know, I, as my, some of my listeners know, uh, I'm a biologist and I worked in the pharmaceutical industry. And one of the things that uh, we really always, you know, we talked a lot about science. It's so exciting to talk about science and to think about the science and think about the technology. And at the same time, if you don't really understand the business, but also you don't understand why you're in the business, it's very, very difficult. It's, you, know, you can actually, you know, find it not satisfying at all so um that's and that's why i love coaching too i mean i really love being able to see people blossom beyond what they thought that they could they could do on their own my my vision of every human being is we have eight billion of us almost on the planet and 
every one of us, if we got to the edge, upper edge of our potential, would literally be brilliant beings, every one of us. Finances would never be an issue. There literally wouldn't be poverty or war in the whole world. Can you imagine a world like that? So my goal is to do what I can for each individual and each group and each organization that I meet. And my, so behind all that with the chemistry, think about cause and effect. Success is an effect. Cause comes from the human being. Wow, that, that, that is really amazingly resonant with what we practice in Lean and Continuous Improvement, where we talk about respect for people and that being so much deeper than simply, you know, sort of on the surface respecting somebody, but really, really having the sense that every human being is an amazing, incredible creation. So, Brad, you, would, you and I were talking previously about strategic planning um, and I'd love you to tell the story of what of the first time you did strategic planning and what you learned when you were doing it so I'm working with a, a law firm and I'm walking to the, the strategic planning process that they wanted to do there were like there were going to be 13 or 14 people in the room all of them litigators so these are attorneys right and I'm thinking how am I going to pull this together and organize this and I got to the very first question I needed to drag them through, ask them, was, why are you here? Why did you pick this as a career? What is your purpose? So to have them go through as individuals in the room and answer the question, and they learn things about each other that they, you know, they've been working together for a decade, some of them, and they learn things about each other they'd never known. And by the end of the time we got to lunchtime, they were more excited about what they were doing than they'd been in years. Why are you doing what you're doing? Okay. And then we had to go through the history. So once you understand your purpose, then understand how did you get to who you are right now? How did your organization get to who it is? So you ask, what's the history? And what's the current state? Because if you don't have those laid out, you don't know how to get to the future. And then the third question in the what part is, you know, what's the future? So why? Why are you doing what you're doing? What is your purpose? What's your motivation? Why does the organization exist? What are its values? What are its internal structure? And what's the driving force in it? Once you have that understood, then you can map out your future. What's your future going to be? So simple. Why? What? The third question I asked them was, then now that we have the what figured out for the future, how are we going to do that? Then we, then, then we walk down through the how, right? It's like all the details and all the tactical things that are necessary. And then, then we had to have someone be responsible because if you're not responsible and accountable, you cannot achieve in a focused manner. So then the fourth question is who? Who's going to be responsible for leading this and being the center point? Because if you have more than, as they say, if everyone's in charge, no one's in charge. So one person singularity is required. So who's going to be responsible for this particular initiative, right? And you map out all the, the what part and the how part, 
and then you've got the who part. The last one is the when part, the time factor. When are you going to do the first check-in? When are you going to do the next review? How often are you going to do that, right? And then when, when and how are you going to know that it's done? And that's part of the how part. How part includes measurement. You have to have metrics for the results. Otherwise, you don't know whether you've won or not. That's exciting. Right. Right. And, and from a from a lean perspective, we'd also say if you don't have the metrics, you don't know whether what, you know, because we don't when we say what we're going to do, we may not always be right. Right. That's a it's it's a hypothesis, you know. So if we don't measure it, we don't know if we thought if we made the right hypothesis on, on what we need might need to change. So I have another yeah. I have another statement around that that I say. Yeah. Everything is an experiment until you prove repeatability. Yes. Right? Yes. Back, back to the chemistry, right? Cause and effect, right? And repeatability. Because if you're if you're successful, you can repeat it. How many people go out and they have one business that's successful, and then <clears throat> when they sell it, they can't do it again because they stumbled into it. You can be repeatably successful, but you have to be self-aware. You have to be situation aware and you continually have to improve who you are. Is it possible for an organization to exceed the limitations of the leader? I have never found that to be true. Wow. Wow. So and I, I really want to get to that. I want to talk about the limitations of the leader and get to the, you know, the conversation about character. But I just want to go back just this this method for strategic planning. Um, it's very interesting because it is the reporter's questions, right? It's the questions that, are, that a reporter asks, but it's in a different order. Um, and so the, the last question that a reporter asks is why, right? But you, what you're saying is for, for really getting in there deeply and for, you know, for strategic planning, why is the very first question? The reason that we ask why first is engagement. If you don't have people engaged in the conversation and the future of the vision, then you're not going to get them and their energy. The whole point of a business, if you have a business with no people, you have no business. So the people in the business bring the energy and the enthusiasm in order to be able to do that. And if you ask them continually to review their purpose almost on a daily basis. Why are you here? Then you'll find out what's important to each person and they get to find out actually what's important to them. Right. And that can also help people determine. People talk about fit, right? You know, does, is this person a fit with the company? It might just be that somebody's why is very different from where the company is going. And then it's it's not a blame thing, right? Oh. If, if, if you and the company end up going different places it's just that your why doesn't align with the company's why and that's uh, i think that's that's a very helpful thing to think about so tell me about what you just said about the possibility for a, a company to succeed beyond the limitations of its leader first of all what kind of limitations do you see in leaders today that's a, I love that question. That's, a, that's, that's awesome. So first off, think about who you are, you know, and what you're doing 
Every one of us is a compilation of thousands of decisions. Most of them were unconscious before we got to the age of five. And so when you show up as an adult, you have drive, you have consideration of other people, or you don't, right? And you have, you have different levels of leadership. You have a leader that can tell you what to do, but can't ask you what to do. And if you've got somebody telling you, that means they're directive and they're limited to their mental abilities. The leader's their, mental abilities. The, the, the leader's mental abilities. Doesn't matter if a supervisor or whatever, but if they're managing, they're only telling. If they're leading, they're asking. They wanna know what your motivations are. They wanna know what inspires you. And they're maybe, if they're really good, teaching you how to self-inspire. So in order to overcome the limitations of the leader, you have to have the brilliance of the group and very, very, very few organizations work deeply enough and communicate well enough and are, have enough synergy to overcome those limitations. You know, one, of my favorite, one of my favorite quotes from Mahatma Gandhi is, he's talking to someone and he says, I'm the leader of this group. And they walk on by and they're going by. And he said, I better go catch up to the group I'm leading. <laughs> That's a rough approximation of yeah. what he said. But yeah. the point is, he had them so, so inspired for the thought and the direction and the accomplishment process that he didn't need to be there at the front of the group all the time. And so that's it's a leader. So it's, it's funny because we have talked about this on this podcast before that as people move into leadership, whether it's accidental or often because they have their intention is to become a leader, right? Now, somebody starts out in high school or college and you say, I'm going to go and I, you know, I want to be a CEO. I want to be in the C-suite. I want to run my own company. I want, you know, so their intention is to be a leader, but the preparation that they get to do that um, is, you know, academic, technical, and the the skills of, say, introspection, or um, the skill of being able to listen to another person is not something that is necessarily valued or taught. So what, take, what do you think about that? I'm going to take a thought here. Okay. One of the measures that I have when I'm working with a leader and how good they are at being visionary and being a leader is the natural length of their time horizon. What's their normal time horizon they live in? Do they think four months out? Do they think a day out? Do they think five years out? What is their natural time horizon? And then where do they operate? Now, where they operate is different than where they think. Okay, so if your time horizon is shorter than a year, you are not a leader. You have no business leading a company, not a big one for sure, right? As you grow and evolve as an, as an entrepreneur, your time horizon will go out further and further as you get less day-to-day -day rat race, mm -hmm. right? right? So right. your natural time horizon, my time horizon, my... <laughs> I have measurements, but my time horizon, I have things that I will do literally the last day of my life that I have planned out and I've mapped them back to now. How do I want to be? So the last day of your career, ask yourself, what do I want to have in place the very last day I work for either myself or anyone else? 
What are those things I want in place? And then the next one is, what do I want to see at the very last day of my life? What I want, what I want my legacy to be, what I want my accomplishments to be, and then walk them back through all the years and maybe all the decades to write this year. And what do I want to achieve at the end of this year? And how do they tightly align constantly with that? But that's time horizon. What is your time horizon and how do you use it on a continual daily basis to reignite yourself, to reinvent yourself? Continual improvement for a leader is continual self-awareness and continual self-improvement matched to what is your lifetime. And, and, and being able to, oh, I like what you said about being able to over time push that time horizon out. So, you know, you know, when you are in the tyranny of the day-to-day, -day, right? You've got to, this has got to get done today. That's got to get done today. And by the way, the stuff that didn't get done yesterday, right? That, that needs to be done. It's, it's must be about allowing yourself to pull away from that so that you can do the kind of, of thinking and visioning that you're talking about uh, and, and treating that as valuable. Right. As opposed right. to, right. you know, oh, now you're daydreaming again. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, the difference between a daydream and, and, and uh, what is it? If you're only wishing, it's 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 essentially air breathing. So <laughs> if you're yeah. if you're accomplishing, so doing being visionary and being excellent at doing can be blended. Action is encompassed by the analytical mind and the intuitive mind is what leads us in visionary work. And you get one with one with you know training in school, you get the analytical mind trained in school. We don't we're not taught to be visionary in school. We're, we're not taught to be intuitive because the foundation of being a visionary is intuition. And so you can, they were designed, I'm constantly asking, What's the function and mechanism in this particular aspect of who I am as a human being? And so I study the mechanisms of being a human because I am one, right? I get to study this. You get and to so, study, you, st you get to study Brad. Yeah, it's a great up. beaker, yeah, right? So I, I love the beaker of Brad. It's fun to watch. But I have found it is possible to combine actively the function of the analytical mind and the intuitive mind. The analytical mind is um, a subtractive engine, if you would. It sees sharp edges. It takes this. It's also, you know, words and numbers are the, the realm of the analytical mind. You put your hand on the desk, you map out what the hand is, you map out what the desk is, you say, oh, okay, that's a hand and that's, that's uh, a desk. That's a distinction engine, or if another way to put it. The intuitive mind is a concept engine. It only thinks in concepts, not words and numbers. If you're thinking in words and numbers, then you're using the analytical mind, or you're translating from the intuitive mind, which is concept only. And that may be pictures, it may be whole ideas. And then you translate that into the intuitive mind as an analytical chemist, which I did for more than 11 years. Um, I found that I could pose questions with the analytical mind and come with solutions, concepts with the intuitive mind. And I had to play with both of them 
in order to get them to work together. And they could very easily, but it took, I had to train myself into that uh, skill set. So one of the things, you know, I think that we believe about ourselves is that we have a fixed type, right? That, um, you know, so, you know, somebody is intuitive, somebody else is not intuitive. Um, I always worry when people do those kind of, of character assessments or personal assessments that they see a type and they think, well, that's me and I can't possibly learn or change. Can people, in your opinion, Brad, or in your, in your experience, if they if they find themselves somebody very analytical, very drawn to the words and numbers, can they become more visionary? Can they uh, build their intuitive skills? Well, my challenge to people who are analytical and want to be more intuitive is stop and listen to your thinking, right? Part of that is meditation. I describe meditation this way. It is the withdrawal of will from each aspect of who you are. First, the physical body, you sit it down, you don't wiggle it, you just occasionally move it, right? Then over time, it stills and gets to the place where your emotional self watches so you watch your body you watch your emotions you watch your thoughts right but you're watching you're not doing so the difference between doing and watching is you move your will out of it your active will and you withdraw your will from your emotions and you watch your emotions and over time maybe five years you get to the place where they are still when you have still emotions as your natural state of being it opens up everything else, right? So you've withdrawn your will from your physical body, from your emotions, from your analytical mind, and you watch and you get to the place where all you think in is concepts. And then you can, at choice, put in each one of those other levels. So as you kind of grow up that I'm withdrawing my will from that, each one of those then gets to the place where eventually you're withdrawing your will from the intuitive mind and you're even watching the concepts come and go and eventually they still, but that's years, years and years. But you get to the place where you are just aware, but then you can be aware all the time. You can be aware of your, of your own thinking, of your own concepts when things pop in and it's your subconscious talking to you. Then you can be more aware of other people too. But my challenge is meditate, and learn to be in charge of all of who you are. And then you can really be in charge of your organization. When you're talking to a leader, um, somebody who's hired you to help them, how do they react when you come to the suggestion that they meditate? Well, we only get to that when they're ready. I don't okay. ask until they're ready to hear it, right? But my goal is to use their motivations to achieve and get to the place where they are ready to become more self-aware. When they're ready to become more self-aware, then they're also ready to become more organizationally aware. But we start with the organizational awareness because that's a do thing, right? And then we back up from that. So I take them step by step. When they're ready, they have, get to hear that, but not before. And you're always going back to their why. The What's their, what's, what's their passion? What's their, what are they really driving for? Right. Yeah, yeah. So we, um, 
we've been talking a little bit about character and I'd love to hear you define character and what that means to you. So character is, is a, some people think character is fixed. Like you're just the same your whole life, which is mm -hmm. flat, flat, not true. Okay. Think of it this way. If you cut yourself in a white lie, you know, you ask somebody, are you always honest? Well, no, you're not always honest. But if you got to the place where you were committed to learning how to be always honest, then you would set a piece of yourself and watch the words that would come through you, right? And I will be honest, right? I went through a period in my earlier years where I was, and moments, challenged. But what I found underneath my impulses to lie and the actual lies I said was underneath the impulse to lie and the actual lying was insecurities. If I mm. was insecure in a moment and I didn't feel like I was capable in the moment, which is actually the underlying force, right? Underlying all of that, the insecurities triggered me into lying. So if I managed my self-presence in my sense of capability and I managed myself in my sense of my security or insecurity, then on top of that, I was managing my impulses to lie. And so as you become deeper in your self-awareness, you will find that your character can grow in literally every aspect of who you are. So I have on my website a list of that I share with my clients and drag them through it, make them do it, a list of values that you I had. Here's an example. One of my early clients that I used this with, I had him print off a list of it and print off a copy of it. It's like a page in five columns of different possibilities he could choose as his values. He went through and did that. At the same time, I suggest he did that with his wife. He came back to me a week later and said, I'm in trouble, Brad. None of my values matched my wife's and I love this woman. And I want to stay married to her. So I had them sit down, talk through what was important to them as a couple or you know, a whole organization, but and then choose to focus on learning each one. So my first process in this was I was doing cold calling to grow my grow my company. And I had a really, really, really awful afternoon. And so mm -hmm. I sat down. Well, I got shredded by five people in a row. It's like, okay, fine. I'm I'm why is this happening? And I'm not getting the results I want. And so all I was asking was, who does executive, who does uh, executive development? And may I speak with them? And may I send you a physical brochure? This was back in the 90s, right? So I went through that. They said no. They shredded me. One guy, just literally the last guy, Rick, I put the phone down. I said, okay, what am I not doing right? And how am I not thinking? So I went down through mapped out you know, all the different questions that I had. What I realized was I was insecure and I actually didn't believe in my own self. And so underneath that, I realized what I needed was character strength. And so I, my focus was character strength is gonna be the value I'm going to learn and I'm going to grow that part of myself. And so every decision I made for the next 12 months, I ran through what part of strength is this teaching me? And in doing that, I learned in myself all the different places in myself that I stored little chunks of strength, right? 
But I also realized at the core of it, every piece of strength I had, every area that I had, I described it like this, every dust bunny of strength I had, right? At the center of it was a single piece of certainty. Well, how did you get certainty into who you are, Brad? How did you grow that? And so as I realized that, what I did was I was like, well, what are you certain about? So, well, first thing I'm certain about is the alphabet. I got that down. I'm certain about that. How did you get that? Repetition consciously. So conscious repetition of all the aspects, of a particular characteristic help you grow that. So if you're unconscious about who you are, you can't consciously become a different character. So if you're going to be unconscious, yeah, character will never change except one hard wall at a time. Ouch, 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 ouch. The, the, the hitting the head piece yep. of it. Yeah. 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 Right. So you want to give a shout out to your website? Uh, let people know where they can, uh, where sure. they can find that. Well, my website is, as you can see in the background here, stellarinsightinc.com. It has to have the INC on it, right? So stellarinsightinc.com, and it's on the front page. So if they want to, uh, the values list is there. I recommend that they, and I'll ask for their, their email so I can kind of check in with them. But what I want is for people to consciously become better at who they want to be. I think that's great. It's it's not it's not about it's not about becoming somebody who you're not. It's it's being better at who you want to be. And and again, I would think that must this link to your why, right? Is well, think of it this way. Think about the people you admire. What characteristic of them is it that you admire them for? And then choose that as a as a guide for who you want to map out all your heroes, your heroines, right? Who are the people and what is it about them that made them exemplary? And then do you want to be better at that yourself? Map out your heroes, go get the values list, practice it consciously. Even if it's just, you know, on a monthly basis, it's still enough repetition. When I have employees, I ask them to map out who they want to grow to be in the next year. And then I have them assess who they are right now, let's say honesty, on a scale from one to 10, you know, where, where are you, zero to 10, on, on honesty, where are you? Or, you know, courage or whatever, brilliance, insight, awareness. Where are you now, where do you want to be? Um, and at the end of the year, where are you now in each one of those things you chose? That's part of my annual or quarterly review when I have employees. And I suggest that to my clients. Very, that's very interesting. And for each of those, there are things that people can practice, right? Because they're living and they're, they're interacting with other people all the time and, and in situations that that would help them to, to practice whatever it is that, that they want to practice. Brad, what do you wish for, for the for, for today's leaders if you could if you had the brad magic wand and you could wish one thing for the leaders today and you know we're at a very troubled time right now what would you wish for them what would i wish for leaders that they yeah. would be visionary that they challenge themselves to be the best they can be so 
What's your commitment to your world? What's your commitment to yourself? And how deeply is your skill with commitment working in your life? And then in addition to that, how do you inspire yourself? What are your self-inspiration skills for enlivening your life in each day? How do you delight yourself each day? How do you, how do you bring energy into you out of the well of who you are as a human being? How do you draw more energy into you by your self-inspiration skills? And then of course, put them to work with your commitments and maybe around character. Wow, wow. Wow. Well, I was going to ask you also, what was your advice to a young person starting well, out? But it turns out your advice to a young person starting out, I think, is the same as your advice to, to leaders. Well, is that so, so my advice to leaders is be self-aware and out of self-awareness, it's like this. Your heart is how you feel love. And if you learn to be aware of your heart, then you can be aware of other people and their hearts. So learn your own heart, learn other people's hearts, because this is the radar we read other people's hearts from. Your mind and your heart are meant to be connected. So your awareness, your intuition, your analytical mind, and your heart, right, your emotions, are designed to be aligned and working together as a single unit of awareness. But you have to take your heart and your intuition and your analytical mind and why teach them to be together. And then from that, look out into your organization and say, why are we here? What, are, what is the meaning we're creating? And let's create more meaning for us and for the world. Each of our customers are part of who we get to directly affect. What's our purpose? Why are we here? All right, All right. So, Brad, thank you. This has been really, really great. And I, again, I encourage people to go to Brad's website, which is StellarInsightInc.com. Is that right? Yes. Um, and uh, check out what Brad has to offer. And Brad, people can also find you on LinkedIn. Is that right? Yes, they can. And if they want to talk to me, the first conversation with anybody is free. So. That's great. That, Take that's the risk. great. Jump in. That's great. Right. And this is such a nice connection with continuous improvement because you're talking about continuous improvement of a person, which is really what it's all about. When we, you know, when we talk about, I always say that, you know, whenever we talk about the edges of lean, we always come right back to the center, which is about people. And you're talking about really continuous improvement of people, um, which is so needed in the world today. So thank you very much, Brad, for traveling with me thank to you. the edges of lean. Thank you. This is Bella Engelbeck, and I'd like to thank Brad Smith for being my guest on the edges of lean. How are you learning more about yourself and how do you share that with your colleagues and clients? We'd love to hear from you. Find Brad at Stella Insight Inc. Com or on LinkedIn, find me at leadforhumans.com and on LinkedIn. And start a conversation. Tell a friend about the ages of lean and please comment wherever you watch or listen. Please join me in exploring more of the ages of lean. There's a lot to learn. And check out my friends in the Lean Communicators community at leancommunicators.com. You'll find more podcasts and videos with lots of great new content every week. 
The Edges of Lean is written and produced by Bella Engelbach with support from Podcast Inc. This is a Lean for Humans production.